Shalom Mishpocha. Welcome to this week's new Kadima Talk, as I want to share a few moments about communication and say what you mean and mean what you say. Scripture talks extensively about communications and the tongue. In James 3, verses 2 through 6, it says, For we all stumble in many ways. If someone does not stumble in what he says, he's a mature man who can bridle his whole body. If we put a bit into a horse's mouth to make it obey us, we control its whole body as well. Verse 4 says, And think of a ship. Though it is huge, it is driven by strong winds, yet the pilot can steer it whenever he wants with just a small rudder. So too the tongue is a tiny part of the body, yet it boasts great things. See how a little fire sets a whole forest ablaze. Yes, the tongue is a fire, verse 6, a world of wickedness. The tongue is so placed in our body that it defiles every part of it, setting ablaze the whole of our life, and it is set on fire by a gay hinnom itself. One of the most important skills for a leader to possess is the ability to communicate effectively and clearly in truth. We frequently think of communication skills from a public point of view, such as a press conference or a press interview or speech, but the most vital communication occurs daily. The communication between leadership and congregates or the leadership and staff, employees, co-workers, even family and friends. Although the stakes are different in every situation, most conflicts, disagreements, divisiveness, confusion, low productivity, or failure to influence congregates, customers, and people in general results from poor communication. When we aren't crystal clear from our words and meanings, or worse, have an impure agenda or motive, we're creating discord and division. We shut down effective communication. And one of the most prominent ones I see today is every now and then, I'm actually going to rephrase that. I see them more often than I used to, but something will come on a 30-second commercial and it just goes on and on without any product being relayed. And Rabitzin and I will just stop and look at each other and say, what in the world was that about? And we don't know. That's a poor communication. It's a poor ad because if you don't know what it is and I'm not receiving the product, then why advertise it? So let's look at some negative communication issues that should be avoided at all costs. The biggest issue from the Jewish biblical perspective is what we call the Hebrew Lashon Hara, which is evil tongue, which relates to gossip and slander. Leviticus 19 verse 16 says, Do not go around spreading slander among your people, but also don't stand idly by when your neighbor's life is at stake. I am Adonai. To slander someone or something is to defame, malign, smear, libel, vilify, bring false charges. It's the misrepresentation of someone, their character, assassination, defamatory statements, or any attempt to damage someone's reputation or their position. Slander is also uh, in synergy with, or uh, simpatico with gossip, as the two words are, for the most part, almost interchangeable. Gossip or slander in Hebrew is rachil. Slander is the tool of deception used by the enemy to destroy congregations, leaders, and movements of God, and even businesses. As a Messianic Jew and congregation leader, listen, I'm not impervious to the pain and hurt of slander and gossip from those who have dishonest motives and false facades of friendships. It's interesting that no one's ever gossiped about how I help them. It's always negative. Like all humans, I can be affected by lingering conflicts and slander that have occurred within this congregation, anti-Semitism, racism, and even bigotry. I had corrected a couple some 12 years ago who had become enraged vice-repentant. 
And I got to tell you, the Jezebel spirit was involved in it. They then, after that meeting, called every ministry I was involved with and made inflammatory and slanderous charges against me, speaking falsehoods of things that I allegedly said that I didn't or positions of theology that I didn't take. And of course, the facade of that fell quickly. People who truly know who I am know this wasn't true. Uh, But the point of their being vindictive to actually attempt to destroy me by character and my position is nothing short of absolute wickedness and evil. The common denominator in all these events of persecution is gossip and slander. Whether it's through Lashon Hurrah, gossip, news articles, social media, slander, gossip continues, which results in lingering long-term effects. The antidote to prevent bitterness for all parties are the words of Yeshua in Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12. He said, how blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and tell all kinds of vicious lies about you because you follow me. Rejoice, be glad, because your reward in heaven is great, and they persecuted the prophets before you in the same way. Those who are being slandered can break through by rejoicing, breaking through and releasing the oppression that slander and gossip creates. Those who slander and gossip will receive breakthroughs in their lives as well if they'll cease the accusations of slander and repent. Unfortunately, it just doesn't go away, and people continue to participate. I'm constantly amazed by the number of uh, people who are close to me who receive and listen to gossip. Why? Any accusation must be confirmed by several witnesses, yet many believers are more than willing to hear and listen to gossip, which is inherently part of the issue. In fact, slander and gossip, if left unchecked, grows and gains momentum as it builds upon partial truths with individuals who want to be in the know, who want to listen to something juicy without investigating the facts and share it with others and continue to propagate the gossip and the slander. There are plenty of scriptural references regarding this, particularly in Proverbs. Proverbs 16, verse 28 says, A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Proverbs 26, verse 20 Fire goes out for lack of fuel, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. And in Romans 1, verse 29, their lives become full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, fighting, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. The Torah teaches us that the words we choose determine how we experience and live our own lives. We reap what we sow. Carefulness, prudence, and speech inevitably involves into one being a better person and a better leader. A partner of Lashon Hara is Rechilut. One who speaks Rechilut is about his fellow violates a Torah prohibition. Lo Do not go about as a talebearer among your people. Again, Leviticus 19.16. This is a severe sin as it causes much spiritual bloodshed which is why the Torah continues, Do not stand upon or allow the shedding of the blood of your fellow. It's any communication that generates animosity between people. Rechilud is often the repeating of Lashon Hara. The Torah delineates different situations and conditions and identifies when the speech is forbidden, permissible, and even desirable. One type of Lashon Hara, speaking lies, slander is called Motzei Simra, spreading a bad name. Lives, half-truths, or even exaggeration can unfairly damage someone's reputation and, unfortunately, is all too common in today's workplace. This is done when one worker is trying to get ahead of the other. This is done between corporations when one's trying to get a leg up on the other. It's unethical business practices. When we're not careful of how and what we speak, we speak Lashon Hara because we forget that in many cases, 
Truth can be subjective, like beauty is in the eye of the beholder, or truth is even elusive, in that we don't always know the whole picture, either actively or passively. Seeing half the truth, not knowing the other side of the story, is the womb of gossip and slander. Don't assume. Don't make your own judgment. Don't fill in the blanks or ever listen to one side of a tale or story. If you're unsure, ask. If it doesn't involve you, say out of it. Just say, I don't want to hear it. Leaders must get the entire story from all parties from both sides involved before they make a decision in any area of strife. The damage caused by Lashon Hara is irrevocable, which is why in biblical culture it's akin to murder. You can murder someone with your tongue. Lashon Hara is like artillery. What you say here affects over there, such as talking on a telephone. What you say here is heard and felt over there. Whether it be a friend or foe, talk not of another's man's lives, and thou canst without offense reveal them. That's from the Apocrypha, Ecclesiasticus 19, verse 8. Pearls of Wisdom by Solomon Eben Gabriel says, I can retract what I did not say, but I cannot retract what I've already said. There's nine rules of Lashon Hara I want to share as we move on in this Kadima talk. Number one, it is Lashon Hara to convey a derogatory image of someone, even if that image is true and deserved. It's slanderous, Mose Shemra, to do so when the image is false. Number two, it is Lashon Hara to convey information about people that can cause them physical, psychological, or financial harm. Number three, it's Lashon Hara to embarrass people, even in jest, or to tell embarrassing things about them when they're not present. Number four, Lashon Hara is not limited to verbal communication. The written word, body language, innuendo, and the like can also be harmful and hurtful. Number five is Lashon Hara to speak against the community, race, ethnic group, gender, or age group as a whole. Number six, do not relate Lashon Hara even to your spouse, close friends, or relatives. Number seven, do not repeat Lashon Hara even when it is common knowledge. Number eight, avoid gossip. Do not relate to people negative things others may say about them, for this may cause needless conflict and harm. Number nine, do not listen to Lashon Hara or gossip. Give everyone the benefit of the doubt. This is the golden rule. Treat others as you'd have them treat you. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. Psalms 34 verses 13 through 14. As our mothers used to say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. A good rule of thumb is to remember that the communicator, this is either the rabbi, pastor, business owner, CEO, or even a government leader, has an obligation to speak clearly, concisely, and with great comprehension so that they are completely understood. Effective leaders always take accountability and responsibility for their words, instructions, and teachings so that they are understood with great clarity rather than expecting listeners to decipher or interpret the meaning or the intent of their words. Here are three critical areas for effective leaders to help you engage in effective communication so that you remove all areas of confusion and misunderstanding. And here's where we get into the meat of the title of this. Say what you mean. Don't beat around the bush or imply. I've fallen prey to this in years past. Be direct, concise, and to the point. I've learned the hard way not to dance around the mountain, but to be direct. See, in my early years, I was concerned of being too much like the Navy senior chief, vice a compassionate, loving rabbi. So I tread lightly, which doesn't work. I was trying to communicate correction or a rebuke, but not offend the spirit and not offend them at all. And so by not being direct, by speaking to them with innuendos, 
They don't get the point. In fact, I've had people sit there, smile, or look at me, nod their head, because they really didn't understand what I was trying to say. So I've learned over 23 years of ministry, don't talk innuendos. Be direct and say what you mean. Be bold and be to the point with great clarity. We see this in parenting, correction, and even in discipline. One of the greatest issues we have in parenting today is the parents will continue to make threats. Stop this or I'll do this. Stop this or I'll do this. But they don't do it. So the child, the congregate, or even your employee, if you keep making verbal threats but don't follow through, they'll soon learn that you don't say what you mean. And so you, I used to tell the children and the grandkids, I'm going to tell you twice. The third time is going to be a physical discipline. And they quickly learned that when I said something, they need to respond to it or, if you will, the fire's coming. So again, say what you mean. Never say something behind someone's back that you wouldn't say to their face. I was retelling what was to me a funny story involving a colleague, this is quite a few years ago, who was also a leader, but that person wasn't in the group of people I was sharing the story with. A third party heard the story, who repeated it back to him, and of course, it was done so negatively. Literally, 45 minutes later, I see this person who confronts me in anger. And of course, we had words, of which I immediately apologized, then shared that I didn't say anything in there that I wouldn't have told this person to their face. And I told them what I said, exactly what I'd said in this group of people. It immediately deflated the situation and removed any grievance, any ought we had between us. Saying what you mean is more than choosing your words and stating them. Words have multiple meanings. It's what you mean, it's what the listener thinks you mean, and what the dictionary definition of the words that you choose. Getting those first two meanings into alignment is the ultimate success for every effective leader and speaker. One way to be clear about saying what you mean is to think about what you're saying or your message from your listener's perspective. Everything that I do as a Messianic rabbi is done through the lenses of the congregate. Is the message I'm giving written so that everyone will understand and comprehend? You have to shy away from specific terms and jargon that not everyone knows. My fellow bubbleheads out here, submariners, and this is true for every military branch. We have our own language in the submarine force with acronyms and terms that only another submariner will understand. And although often they're funny and humorous, if I put that into a message, no one would ever know what I'm talking about. Even in the congregation, I'm careful to not speak over the head of those who are to the Messianic movement. We want to be inclusive. It's an area of correction or rebuke. I'll bring in a witness as many, many times I've done this without a third person. And the person who I'm speaking to will say the exact opposite of what I've said in that meeting. We must illustrate and demonstrate and model your message. I do my best to live the life I speak about. Once you've said what you meant, and meant what you said, you can take one further step to enhance the understanding of your message. Listen, many times in my naval career, I was frank and to the point, as most times it was mission critical with little room for errors, shortcomings, or delays. When I was assigned to the Command Submarine Atlantic Force, the TWTCT, the Tactical Weapons Training and Certification Team, I rode almost every submarine this nation had on the East Coast and half the ships on the West Coast. So two, three times a month, I was gone for seven to 10 days, sometimes doing submarines back-to-back, two or three-day certifications and get right on the next ship. It was arduous. 
It was difficult, and it was very tiring. We had a fellow chief that was into a situation where they were unable to travel and able to do his job, which means our workload was doubling. I recommended that we replace him. Anyway, they looked at me like I was from Mars. They couldn't believe this. But hey, listen, this is it's not uh, personal. This is business. When you have someone who can't do what they're there to do, then you get someone who will so that you can complete the mission. It's even got to be the same in our congregations or our business or even in your home. If the sailor couldn't perform the job or task that they were hired to do, then we fire them and move on. Find someone who could do this. It's an immense issue in ministry because everyone's concerned about hurting someone's feelings. I'm going to be honest with you. In 23 years of ministry, several times I've fired staff members because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is also a reflection of the kingdom of God and being stewards of what God has given us. So we listen, even Paul did this. We know that Shaul had an issue with Barnabas. They traveled together. They worked together. But they reached a point of conflict that they could no longer move forward together. And you never hear of Barnabas ever again. So there's a time and a place for everything. And we can't let this be an issue in the ministry or even in your business to be concerned about hurting someone's feelings. We don't want to be mean or overbearing. Yet it's not about feelings. It's about results in completing the mission. Listen, there will always be an offended Pharisee. Descriptive words help paint a picture in the reader's mind. And so there could be adjectives, adverbs, or participles that describe the subjects or actions of your sentence that can help you convey the message. In my midweek tour studies, I will often spend time describing the location of the book that we're studying to include photos, which helps immensely. To see a house from Israel from 2,000 years ago made of stone with oil lamps and a flat roof made from mud, clay, sticks, and stones, we understand Yeshua's story. In Mark 2, chapter 4, it says they could not get near Yeshua because of the crowd. So they stripped the roof over the place where he was, made an opening, and lowered the stretcher with the paralytic lying on it. Now, I'd heard the story numerous times when I was a child, but the teacher didn't explain the background. Being from America, my father was even a builder. I'm quite familiar with Western shingled roofs. And I couldn't understand how they dug a hole through plywood and shingles and the rafters to lower that man down. Now, that may seem silly to you, but there was no reference for me. I I couldn't comprehend what it was saying because it wasn't in the context of the setting. By using examples and illustrations that define the setting, it will clarify the message, preventing confusion and misunderstanding. When we tour Israel, we go to a recreated Talmudic village from 2,000 years ago. It is complete revelation and eye-opening to walk through and see a village that would have been exactly as it was in Yeshua's day. And to see these mud roofs with these sticks, one can clearly understand that in a short amount of time, you could clear the mud, the dirt, and sticks away and lower a man through the roof. That wasn't so prevalent with a Western mindset. Now, why these steps may seem awkward and difficult now, when you start working through these concepts into everyday communication, you'll soon see great advancement in your communication skill, and you'll see great clarity between you and who you're trying to communicate with. Communication is a skill set that you can improve because leaders by default are to bring people together in unity in one accord, not to bring confusion and divisiveness. Mishpokah, I pray that you will move forward in clear, concise communication to not beat around the bush 
and to have a ministry or a business where you bring people together in unity and in one accord to the glory and the praise of the Most High God. Mishpokah Shalom. <laughs>